and welcome to St. Francis Catholic Chat. Wait, Father, I think it's hello. Sorry. Uh, no, it's hi. It's, it's is all it good. Hi? Yeah, this is Father Casey. <laughs> and this is Julia. And this is Father Siler. <laughs> Father Siler, back on the podcast. We're going to keep that false start <laughs> right in there because it's so much fun. Now, listen, even more of a false start, I believe Father Siler sighed into the microphone During as we were starting. But you can take it off. No, I think we're going to keep that on because <laughs> I think being on our podcast is, is sigh-worthy. Sigh-worthy. It's, what is, it's what is sigh-worthy? It's Siler worthy do you think? <laughs> Whoa! That was really lame. Sorry. It is. Um, sigh worthy is that it is worthy of a sigh. So when you have to do this, you're like, oh, okay. Is it like a good sigh uh, or a bad sigh, though? Oh, it's good. It's good. I it's good. It didn't seem like a good sigh. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, the listeners can I judge. I was trying. To, we had been He's joking. Father sire. Casey was making fun of himself before he went on. And oh, I was trying to. I was trying oh, to. Rec- I was so trying true. to recollect myself. And so I was breathing out uh, a sigh of. Just like focusing. that side that father did. Yeah, you just do. don't do it into the microphone, right? You got to <laughs> breathe. You just breathe somewhere else. Like when you got to take a sip, it's always in. It's always difficult when we're trying to drink coffee or water or whatever um, during the podcast. Trying to like not you sip into the microphone, the you got to go like. Also, if you do that, then Brittany will hear a gulp, and you cannot. That's so you nice. haven't met Brittany Larice. You may meet her I'm later, not. but she um, would point out anytime we we're on like a Zoom call or anything. She would point out when I would like be drinking tea. She'd be like, "Gulp." It was Gulp. the funniest oh, thing man. every single time. Right, also right before she went to he went to take like a sip of like tea or anything. She would be prepared. She'd be like, "Oh, there's a gulp." She would already know it's coming. That's amazing. Very very dedicated. She um yes, she's very dedicated to making my life um difficult which is why <laughs> she's our youth minister now that's perfect that's exactly what a youth minister is supposed to be for a pastor there you go make the life difficult absolutely now um julia on the last podcast whenever it was heard in listener land we're not really sure um but on the last podcast we talked a little bit about subtweeting and adding and then yeah. in the break because you know spoilers we're recording this just five minutes later <laughs> in the break you instructed us about that so can you clarify a little bit about adding and subtweeting father Siler's never heard of those yeah i had no idea what you all were talking about. yeah so it's just it's just like it came from twitter and in high school i guess people used to just take it and like if you were in class i guess um they'd be like the, the teacher could like at students or they would sub students and like it's that's just like an example but in different context it's just become like language like lingo that kids use but adding is like directly saying someone's name like oh i'm not sure of an example right now but oh father at father siler don't sign to the microphone oh don't sign to the microphone at father siler the thing is i you don't say the at out loud like in real life you just really no so in in texting you you'd say at whatever person's name but in real life like real life um when you're like talking if be like oh don't sign the microphone father siler gotcha don't that's an at father siler that's an at we added you right yeah because you you just said your name you, you, if i'm if i'm preaching and i'm like you know we podcast and some people they just sign to the microphone that's a sub tweet that's a sub tweet gotcha right? and i think i you, you some people drop the word tweet and just say that's a sub like gotcha. oh okay they're subbing this so and so whatever yeah nice now, our last talk was about the intellectual life, and I wonder how much um, my intellectual life, is, you only have so much brain power. Sherlock Holmes would try to forget that the earth goes around the sun because he needs the brain space for other stuff. 
And so I wonder how much of my intellectual space is... Wait, who said that? Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock uh, Holmes. That was a book, though, right? Yeah, it was in uh, The Sign of the Four. Watson's explaining that the Earth goes around the sun. He's like, well, now that I know that, I'll, as soon as I can, I'll try to forget it because I need brain space to know other stuff, like blood splatters. And I feel like I know a lot about adding and subtweeting and uh, all these colloquialisms like like oof, Oof. And what are what are some other colloquialisms that we well, use? There's a lot of things that I use that other people don't use. Probs, I use probs a lot. Probs is one. Um, Rut row. That's Rut not row that's is not one anyone actually uses. Just me. <laughs> now, okay, and hold on. Have, Let's get the generational thing here, Father Tyler. If you heard rut row, what name would you put after it? Uh, is that from Scooby Doo? No. Wow. I okay. No okay. Everyone I know says from Scooby Doo. No, Rut Row. I don't George. know what Rorge is, though. I don't know I'm what this is. Shark. You've never seen the Jetsons? Oh, it's the Jetsons. Oh, yes. I am much more cultured than uh, you. Okay. Oh, okay. You're much more <laughs> speculatively knowledgeable than I am. Yeah. You, you I have know, terrible like, memory about, and Christology. about cultural I know the Jetsons. references. That's true. Between I the two like, of us, we yeah. have a real knowledge. We're, we would be a well-formed human being if we were the same person. <laughs> 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 yeah. But yeah, rut, people don't say Rut Row. No, but anyway, that my brain space take out with that, so I don't, I don't have enough brain space to know about the depths of the mystery of the Trinity. Actually, no one does. But um, <laughs> well, okay, or other such things. That Father Sadler is very. Um, he could do it all in multiple languages. This guy's a, a linguist. Yeah, you know, we like that. when we bought everyone lunch, um, the guy started talking to me in Italian. I started trying to talk, to him, and it was it was a disaster. Yeah. I said, "Oh, more Spanish came." Louis habla Italiano. Yeah, which is he in Italian speaks in Spanish and Italiano is Italiano. It's, very <laughs> oh, it's so the same no. in both languages. And so then he just like probably says like your Spa- your your Italian's a mess. Yeah. Oh no, well, <laughs> yeah, that's understandable. You have, don't have a lot of occasion to use it. Ma io posso spiegare tutto in italiano perché l'italiano è mi esempio pa per la virtù perché sempre dico. Forse si può imparare, posso spiegare in italiano e voi non potete capire, tu pu- puoi capire. Sì, capisco. So anyway, that's, I, use ex- I always use Italian as an example of virtue, that I can learn it. You can learn it, it becomes prompt, easy, and joyful. My Italian is not prompt nor easy, <laughs> and it's not joyful for you or for me. But didn't you, I remember when we were doing doctrinal formation, didn't you used to say that you could do this whole thing in Italian? Remember that? You used to, you used to, and then you used to speak a little bit of Italian afterwards. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but I always say the same thing. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> Which is exactly what I just said. What was it? Posso fare tutto questo in italiano, ma voi non potete capire. I can do all questo. of this in Italian, but none of you can understand. Is and what then he's you just said that over and over again? So he knows one sentence in Italian. I know one sentence. It's like, um, che prossimi in movie popolsku. Right. Which means, I'm sorry, I don't speak Polish. Naturally. That's a good. That's a good one to know if you're ever in Poland. Yeah, except all that in the Polish, he's go, <laughs> which is their way of saying you speak Polish really well. How would you say you speak Polish? Really? Like, no, you speak Polish really well. Yeah, mówisz po polsku dobrze. Oh, dobrze po polsku. I'm a dobrze. I know dobrze now. Dobrze, bardzo dobrze. You spell it really funny. You spell it very English. D o b j z e. No, there's no J in there. You don't. I'm lucky. There's a vowel in there. It's because the vowels aren't what you think anymore because it's a different language. One of our priests in the Archdiocese, Father Glenn Demetrician, um, I always have to remember to spell his last name that there's not there's no vowels, it's all Ys. 
right? And so wow. whenever I want to spell the demetrician's last name, it's all Y's. There you go. D Y M. Dim Y T R Y C Z N or something like that. I don't know. Oh wow. What language is it from? Polish. Oh, it is Polish. Yeah, it's Polish. That's, that's, that's your language the, right It's because the Y makes the I sound, and so it's actually probably a vowel. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So that is um. So that's indoctrinal formation. I would often say that I should not fiddle. I almost just turned off the power on the control panel. So that oh would, dear, that would, that would end the pod, and then we'd have to redo this whole thing again. We would have just talked about Oof, something. Are else. we recording? No, we are. I'm joking. We're totally recording. Thank goodness. I think you'd be more upset than that. I don't think you'd say, oof, are we recording? If we actually weren't recording. I think there'd be a little bit of a different reaction. Probably. Cool. Well, this is, um, yeah, this is a lot of fun. So what are we talking about today, Julia? So today we're talking about the church. and um, what We have our very own man of the church here to yeah. talk about the church. So you're, you're, what you're going to be doing, you're go- li- moving to Rome, right? Or you already moved right. in Rome. So yeah, I've been in Rome for the last three years studying. Okay. And I have one year more of studies in Rome. And then that's when you become an official diplomat? Correct. So next July, so a year from now, uh, I will be beginning my work for the Vatican. So right. for the Holy Father. And will be sent to some country to represent him in uh, to the local church of whatever country I go to. So yeah, it's pretty exciting. That is really, really cool. And so do you want to explain kind of what the diplomat does? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, obviously all countries have diplomats. It's a, well, not all countries, I guess, but no, most countries do that. It's a representative going to some other country to represent uh, the sovereign, the head of that country. But the unique thing in the church is that the Pope is a sovereign. He has uh, a state, Vatican City State, which exists. and But on top of that, he's the head of the universal church. And so the church is recognized, which is kind of amazing that, you know, 180 countries in the world recognize the Vatican, the, the Catholic church as a uh, international reality that no other religious group in the world has that same status. Um, and so the Pope has priests and archbishops who go and represent him to the church and to the political uh, and they work for peace, they work for justice, but primarily they work for the freedom of the church so that the church can do what she exists to do. So what is the church exactly and what, why does she exist? Yeah, like, like when we say the do? church, you know, like, so the church has, like, so we, we say church a lot. And I think a lot of people, when they hear the word church, they hear building, right? right? So like, what do we mean by the church? Yeah, right. Well, that's a big question. That's a big it's question. It's a big church. A lot, a lot of things. It's a big church. That's right. So... Uh, the best, if anyone wants to, uh, you know, do some intellectual formation on... Uh, that is a sub-tweet. That's a <laughs> sub. You're yes. subbing our last I'm doing podcast. It. I'm doing it. Um, if well, anyone wants to do some intellectual formation, the the most definitive statement of the church herself about what she is, why she exists, happened in 1964 at the Second Vatican Council at in the document the dogmatic constitution of the church called lumen gentium uh, which is the light to the nations and the interesting thing is that ultimately the church is a mystery not a mystery like sherlock holmes like we were talking about earlier not something that has to be figured out but it's a mystery of light in the sense that it goes beyond what we can comprehend or understand and so there's so many different facets of what the church is and so i think there's two primary elements that go into what the church is on the one hand the church is the body of christ So the church is the continuation, the presence in the world of Jesus um, throughout time and space, that all those who have been baptized uh, become members of Christ, and it's his 
the power of his cross, the power of his resurrection continues to exist in the world through the preaching of the gospel and through the celebration of the sacraments. They continue to be present in the world. And so the church exists to bring God's saving truth and God's saving love uh, to his people. But the second aspect, so there's that sort of mystical side, which is Christ becoming present through the power of the Holy Spirit and the will of the Father. But then there's the other side of sort of the more social reality of the church, which is it is true to say that we are the church as so far as we have been baptized. We are members of the body of Christ, yes, but we're the people of God. And so there's this reality of God has chosen a certain people that has its roots in the Old Testament and the people of Israel, um, and that, that the new Israel are the people of the new covenant, which are all those Christians who are baptized, who are in union with the Pope, who celebrate the same sacraments. And so the church is that sort of communion of people as well who are, but our ultimate unity is not because we like each other, though it's good if we do, but it's ultimately, it's in the love of God poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, through baptism, renewed in the Eucharist, and, um, you know, renewed in, in confession when we fall and, and all the sacraments. So there's kind of those two sides, but ultimately at the end of the day, the church exists to be God's presence in the world, especially through the word of God and the sacraments as passed on in his community of the faithful. And get ready, we are going to be reading that uh, Constitution, Lumen Gentium. We're doing a study of the documents of the other constitutions of the Second Vatican Oh, Council fantastic. coming semester. It's amazing. It's so, so we'll, good. Um, we'll see I think we... I already made that a document. I think Lumen, Lumen Gentium? Gentium? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it like 800 pages? I think it was like 30-something. No. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think it was like 70-something, actually. Probably That's probably right. I think There's it was eight 70. chapters. The first one, what's the first one? I'm so sorry. I don't know anything. That's why I'm taking David a class this summer. I mean, the, yeah, that or one. God, yeah, or that one's like 30. No, Deu. Dave Verbum is probably No, it's shorter. It's going to be like 15. No, it was 30. Oh, it was 30. 30. Ooh, it was I think Sacrosanct may be the shortest, All right, actually. can I share a little story about that? So in our fundamental theology class, our first year, we had to be able to talk about Dave Verbum. And um, so I memorized each paragraph number of Dave Verbum and what it was about in case that they asked me. Because I think that they want, that was for... Um, Aparicio. Aparicio. And then she ended up asking me something else about Fides Quay and Fides Qua that I completely got backwards. And so I explained to someone <laughs> and walk home. And they're like, no, you got those totally backwards. But I did it in Italian. So she blamed my bad Italian instead nice. of my bad knowledge of the material. And so I still got a perfect grade on the exam. There you go. Alrighty. Roman education <laughs> right there. <laughs> Woo! Alto formazione. I got my money's worth. <laughs> so uh, the church, so then how does the role of the... Holy See and the diplomatic uh, relations that the Holy See has with different countries, how does that further the mission of the church is the the kind of sacramental reality, the people of God, uh, and the light to the nations? Yeah, good. So ultimately, when we say the Holy See, which is to say um, the See of Peter, so the, the, the seat of Peter, the place where Peter is, it's ultimately the, the role of the Pope in the church. And so uh, because the church is a society— and because Christ desired that his saving mission, his grace would come through human instruments, uh, material instruments, the sacraments, and also the hierarchical priesthood, um, that through the Bishop of Rome, who is the successor of St. Peter, he's a point of unity and a point of strength and that foundation, that rock upon which the faith of the church is built. And so the role of the diplomatic service of the Pope, of the Holy See, because when you say the Holy See, it ultimately just means the Pope. Um, and so it's that to, to confirm the brothers in the faith, like Jesus said to St. Peter, you know, that you must um, confirm your brothers, that you would strengthen your brothers in the faith. And so um, the Pope's mission, most fundamentally in the church, is to be a point of unity 
and of encouragement. And so for uh, me, and I mean, all of us as baptized Christians are called to carry that out, but as the particular way I've been called to exercise my priesthood will be to share and to promote the, the Pope's mission, which is to encourage people in the faith, to strengthen them, to sometimes, uh, you know, he has to challenge people if they kind of have get off the right path uh, to, to strengthen them in that way, but then also to do everything possible to make it uh, for the church in whatever country it is, which is still the one church of Christ that even as it exists in Africa or South America or North America, to build up and to make sure that the word of God is preached in all of its integrity and to make sure the sacraments are celebrated and to make sure that the love of God is, is made manifest through the works of charity and all the great uh, you know, work for justice and peace that the church does too. And so working in Rome, have you met Pope Francis? I have uh, had the blessing to meet uh, Pope Francis on two occasions. Uh, and if COVID hadn't happened, I would have met him again this spring uh, because it's really a blessing in my community where I live, which is the formation house for the diplomatic service of the Vatican. Um, because we're training to work for him, he right. comes to visit us every year. So oh, that is so it's cool. pretty awesome. He's uh, both last May and the May prior. He came to our house and we were able to celebrate Vespers with him, evening prayer with him. And then uh, we kind of sat around in a room, the 35 priests that I live with and, and myself got to just spend an hour with him asking him questions, which is pretty amazing. And then they stayed for dinner. Uh, so it was really an incredible, unbelievable experience to be in the same room as the Pope. And I got to shake his hands twice and uh, then to ask him you know, some questions, various things, you know, from, you know, what's the hardest part about being Pope to questions about you know, what different elements, different things going on in the world. And, and it's really extraordinary to, to see him up close like that because you see he's, he's very frank. He's very sort of, you know, at ease, like, and, but also very, you know, human in the sense of just a real man who is very kind and warm and, uh, you know, answers from his heart. And it, yeah, it was a great grace and blessing to, to meet the Holy Father uh, in those contexts. So it was amazing. How do you think that like helped you or like prepare to be a diplomat? Well, I think um, it's really helpful when you know uh, the person that you're going to be representing because obviously as a diplomat for the Vatican, I'm representing the Sea of Peter and the Holy See. But at the end of the day, you know, in 2020, the Sea of Peter is Pope Francis. There's a way in which it's this is the man and his particular way in which he's living out this role of the office of Peter and how, what is, what are his desires and what are, you know, what are his priorities? And obviously every Pope has the same priorities to help Jesus be known and loved throughout the world and to bring more people to know him. But there's different emphases that different people put. And I think for me, it was really helpful to having that personal interaction to get a sense of sort of his warmth and sort of the style of how he does it that I feel like I have grown in my appreciation of that. Um, and I think that will shape and, and be a uh, help in, in carrying out my mission when I receive it. Now, a little bit of trivia, because I was told this recently. Is there a difference between the Vatican flag and the flag of the Holy See? Have you heard that? Um, I believe there is, but now I can't think of... I know what the flag of the Holy See looks like, I think. Maybe so I don't. I was told recently that it's... Enlighten me. The, the, it's which key, because it's a silver key and a gold key, and which one is on top. Oh, it's interesting. It's different between the Vatican oh, I, I did not flag know that. and the Holy See flag. You could buy like a lot of Vatican huh. flags, 
But to actually get the Holy See flag is much more difficult. Interesting. That has the other key on top. Wow. And so that, that's what I'm told. I don't know if that's true. I haven't looked it up. Now, it's interesting. One of the guys I live with wrote his dissertation on, this is kind of a random topic, but on like trademarks and Vatican symbols and like the international law of like who can print the Vatican flag and this kind of stuff. So do I have to go take down that self-printed Vatican flag? Uh, they're not going to come after you. It's fine. But but I, I'm joking. Actually, I don't have a self-printed <laughs> one just in case anyone from the Vatican is listening. That's right. I um, But I, that's it. I'll have to ask him if that's uh, if he came across that distinction or just to look more closely at different things. So well, I learned so much when I, I learned hang out from with the United Nations. Kitchen. Well, they're a good. They're a good source of information. So um, so with that, with um kind of the role of the church and uh, continue to spread the, the church's mission and Peter as a visible point of unity. What are, like, how can we, uh, if we just see the church in the way that we see our democratic society or different things, that's like, okay, well, I always want to like fix this or do that, or we got to work on this election or that election or this issue. How do we move away from that within the church and like just grow in love for the church? Like how can we, how can we grow in love for the church uh, by understanding rightly the, the mission of the church and, and the ident- and the, the nature of the church. It seems to me that it is a real temptation to over-politicize the life of the church. And I think maybe in the U.S. in a particular way because we're such a polarized political society. But the reality is those distinctions don't track uh, justly on the life of the church because no matter in the church, you know, it's our church is our mother, and, you know, to love the church in that way, but especially to love the Catholicity of the church. And so Catholic means universal. And the reality is the church in the world is much bigger than the church in the United States. And I think actually that's something just worth mentioning that I think it's like to not say the American church, but to say the church in the United States, because I said that I said that somewhere. Did, have either of you heard me say that? I say, say that what? all the time. The church in the, the church in America, not the American not the, church. Um, yeah, exactly. That it's the. I also haven't heard of the American church. I haven't heard that like it, I like that. People phrase. will say that's because you talk to me and I don't say it. <laughs> but it is, you know, you will see. It. There's even books that have, you know, sort of the future of the American church or whatever, because it's ultimately it's the one church that's present here. And again, I mean, I think the church is also a family, and so like most of our families, maybe there's people you like more in your family or there's certain times that you have see more eye to eye with certain people but that doesn't mean ultimately the unity in the church comes from the holy spirit and i think it's a good to pray for um the people that maybe you struggle to love in the church and that you struggle to see eye to eye with but that there's space in the church for everyone and that doesn't mean there's not truth or that there's not you know what the church teaches but I think it's the reality is that that image again of the people of God, that all of us are striving after the destination, which is the Trinity, which is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so to be patient f- with each other as sinners. I think there's something beautiful as well about the fact that the Pope, um, the first Pope was St. Peter, who so publicly failed to love the Lord and to, and to follow Christ, that there's a sense in which uh, there's a beautiful quote from St. Optatus of uh, Miletus, in the fifth century where he said that God gave the keys to a sinner so that a saint would not close the door to sinners or something like that, that there's something beautiful about St. Peter receiving the keys. And so all of us should have that sense of mercy and realizing everyone in the church is a sinner 
and and that need to again all of us should be striving towards conversion um but ultimately it's that measure of charity and the unity that comes from the holy spirit which we should should cultivate and i think praying for each other in the church is really important especially for those maybe we struggle um to have affection for maybe you don't see eye to eye with because at the end of the day it's not well they're in power we're in power but ultimately no we're all working towards the same goal which is the unity of all of the human race with all people uh, in the body of Christ. Um, and I might be completely wrong here, but in like baptisms and like confirmations, wouldn't you like grow in love with the church? Like wouldn't you be given that like from the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. No, I mean, I think it's clear uh, that to love God also includes loving the church because the church is God's continuing presence in the world. And again, I think it's something that the Holy Spirit is never going to lead you to critique the church in the sense of to uh, move away from the church. Obviously, there can be certain people or institutions that need to be reformed and to grow again. Today's the... Uh, keep talking about the date. Whoa, whoa. Today so today now is, we know that we're recording this the same time we recorded the last <laughs> well, week. Well, right, today is who? Today's the Feast of St. Cajetan in addition to St. Sixtus. Uh, no, we could have just not mentioned that like we could say today and today. And people probably wouldn't know that they're an optional memorial to celebrate on the same day. That's true. Go ahead, St. Oh, Cajetan. Well. What are you going to do? But St. Cajetan is a big reformer. Like his whole thing was his life was spent working to reform the church because there needed to be reform. And again, a fruit of the Holy Spirit is is unity. And so, yes, the gift of baptism, the gift of confirmation, but also every time we receive the Eucharist, you know, the Eucharist is the sacrament of unity, you know, to build up uh, the body of Christ. So again, all the grains that go into making the one bread all the grapes going to making the, the wine and the one cup. That's a point of unity. And again, so again, it's good to pray when we go to Mass for the unity in the church, for greater love for the other members of the church. And then what's a way that we can be um, men and women of the church, right? Like we, we want to we continue to be men and women of the church, united. And so how do we kind of practically continue to live that out? I think the way, two sort of elements of it, I think, there's a sense of being attentive to broader needs that are going on in the church. Because I think so often we can get so consumed and, and it not just consumed, but engaged rightfully in my parish and our apostolate and our community in you know, my particular town that we can lose sight of the bigger picture, whether that's the diocese or the, the church at large. And I think just honestly being aware of that and praying for the Pope, praying for our bishops, praying for um, persecuted Christians throughout the world, just like on a spiritual level, staying aware that I'm part of something that goes beyond, you know, the St. Francis Catholic Center, which I know all of those who belong here are very aware of the universality of the church. But again, I think all of us, that's a temptation to get so caught up in the particular. Um, But at the same time, I think it's good to, uh, you know, the sense of the church, thinking with the mind of the church is to, part of that, again, is knowing what the church teaches and really growing in a knowledge, not just of what my opinion is, but of, again, that sense of, of seeking to know the truth of the faith and having a deference. So, you know, if you have a question about something, well, let's look in the catechism. What does the catechism say? Because that's the authentic expression of the church's faith and, and sort of that, uh, that our natural inclination to see is trusting our mother um, even sometimes when I may be doubtful or like, well, is that really, I don't know if that feels right for me, but to have that sense, no, I trust what the church teaches um, and I trust what the church says and, and to sort of have our first inclination to be 
obedience and trust um, rather than suspicion, which I think, again, sometimes we can have that sense of, I know better than, than the authority, or I know better than the church, and that's just not Catholic. And I think it's really important to cultivate that sense of docility and trust um, that the church is, is, you know, the continuation of Christ's presence in the world. It's the Holy Spirit guides it, and so she knows better than I do most of the time about what's actually best for me and for our world. And wouldn't, um, like, trusting and obeying, oh, being obedient to, like, the church and the church's teaching, wouldn't that help you kind of, like, grow in love with the church and, like, continue, like, to, from, like, that, what, that desire that you already have in your heart? Absolutely. Because I think it, you know, like any virtue, again, it's, it's hard at first, but in my experience, I think the more I've given myself over to it, the more freedom we find, because it is true, and because, you know, just like our Lord knows what is in man, the church knows what is in the human heart and what the heart, what will satisfy the human heart. And so accepting even, you know, those elements of the cross that can be in the faith, it is going to bring about greater love and greater joy uh, and greater peace in the long run. I think Padre Pio said you have to suffer as much from the church as for the church. Right. No, it's true. I mean, it's, and again, that's the reality is that, I mean, a lot of the great saints did, you know, sometimes had challenges with their superiors in the church or, you know, um, difficulties. And, and I think we shouldn't be afraid of that, but to suffer and to accept those crosses and to not complain, which is good with whatever, you know, trials we have is trying to avoid murmuring or complaining. I think that's really helpful and important. And, you know, I think there's nowadays we all have our own pulpits on social media or whatever else or a blog. And, and it's so easy to sort of air our, you know, laments against the bishop here or my pastor here or so-and-so in the parish. And again, that's not helpful. And it's no fruit spiritually is going to come from that. It's going to come from offering those things up. It's going to be praying for those people. And, and that's where real growth in the church and real renewal in the church is going to come from. It's not blasting, you know, other people and tearing other people down, but it's going to be an offering things up and, and bringing them to the Lord in prayer and, and letting the Holy Spirit do his work. Nice. Well, hey, these, uh, these were a couple of good podcasts. We're so glad to have our guest, Father Siler, on. Yeah, it was so nice having you here. I've been talking you up pretty big. Well, uh, I, how many times has you been shouted out on a, like, on a podcast in the past? Like a, a, couple? a handful, yeah. Well, uh, it's a joy to be he on He knows angelology because I sat he in his couch all and about I angels. my notes. I learned everything that uh, there is to know about angels from Father Casey. It, um, no, what it, I, and this, I, I, part, of, part of the beauty of having someone like Father Siler here is um, the, a lot of the things I say that you don't always listen to. Um, they're, they're, they're bigger than, than, you know, me. It's bigger than just like, oh, no, this is at St. Francis. Like, no, there's certain universality that right. um, those who belong to the, the one body of Christ um, do, do think similarly about these things. And, and so, it's so it's so good to have, have a good friend here um, who's able to, to bear witness to, to that, you know, um, unity. Yeah, well, pray for me and pray for the Pope and his mission and all my brethren who have this uh you know unique sort of way in which we're we're doing helping the church to grow and you know ultimately what we're doing is is just as important what you all are doing here so we all have our place to play in building up the church so praise god amen well hey um from uh from saint francis this is father casey and this is julia and this is father Simon. god bless